As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I'm your host, Josh G. And today I am joined by the author of two books, Zach Morris Lied 329 Times, if I'm remembering correctly, and Talk 90s with me, his latest book. Please welcome Matt Pace to the show. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, Matt. And I guess my first question would be, if you're thinking back to the 90s, what's something that's nostalgic for you? <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great question. There are so many things. Uh, certainly, it is quite obvious for those books that I've put out that I have a lot of interest in the 90s still. And that was very much the decade when I first became excited about about pop culture. And we know that that era hasn't gone away at all. It's really amazing how much those properties have either been rebooted or come back in some way. And even if they haven't, there's still so much ongoing conversation about a lot of that material that is shocking, but also understandable for several reasons. But in terms of what I'm nostalgic for, something that I couldn't help but mentioning uh, at the top of a few of the interviews in the book, since I always started each discussion by asking the subject uh, something they missed from the 90s, uh, as well as a movie or show that they liked that they weren't in. Uh, it was hard not to go back to the, the physical media conversation, standing in, in Best Buy or Tower Records or something and saying, oh, I have $15 to spend. Do I do I want the CD? Am I willing to invest in this? It seems probably sounds silly now, but those were oddly formative moments. I, I'm sure you uh, can look back on things like that and, and realize that that feels strangely special as, as people grow up and start caring about pop culture. I absolutely can. And I mean, I still go into Best Buy some days and I'll go to their their Blu-ray section. That's what I like to look at anyway. And it's just so small now, like DVD and Blu-ray. It's just like one shell front and back. And that, that's about it. And I'm like, it used to be like rows and I would just walk up and down. I could spend hours just looking through. And I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I completely understand that. So you talked about, I mean, obviously you love the 90s. So that's where it came from. But how did you get this idea that you wanted to write these books. Yeah, thanks for asking. So I had spent 11 years as the movie critic for the Chicago Tribune's Red Eye and loved the work I got to do there. I wrote more than 2,000 reviews. I interviewed hundreds of, of people and was just so lucky to be in that role. Uh, and then after I changed jobs and moved into something not based in entertainment, uh, I thought it would be fun to just try to pursue that interest on the side a little bit. And for the Zach Morris book, once I got the idea in my head to count the number of times that he lied throughout the series and do a statistical analysis of the whole series, uh, counting a few other elements too, uh, and putting some numbers to the treatment of Jesse and, and just doing a really fun breakdown of the show, I sort of felt like, well, now that I've thought of this, I have to do it. <laughs> I can't not do it. Uh, Say by the Bell was the show that I knew the probably the best from that time. And I just thought that would be a really fun project uh, to take on. And I was able to 
also talked to 22 cast members from that show and include interviews in that book. And even if certain people might not be uh, known on the street, if you go up and ask someone about uh, Eddie Garcia or something like that, if you talk to a Stand by the Bell fan about Johnny Dakota or Nurse Jennifer uh, or characters like that, those those people even just in an episode uh, made a huge impact. So it was great to talk to people involved with the show for that book. And then for this newer book, Talk 90s with me, I thought it would be fun to broaden beyond one show and really just cast a wide net to people that I thought were worth talking to for performances worth remembering uh, and material that was still worth reflecting on. And this is by no means to say these are all the all of the best movies and shows or the only ones to care about. Hardly, uh, very much filtered through my own experience. This was an opportunity to, most importantly, ask people questions that they had not been asked before. Uh, there's really no reason to do a book like this and just go through the motions and have people try out the same old answers to the same okay. old questions. So it was one of my favorite parts uh, of the role of interviewer is the research of watching, listening, reading to all the things that have been done before and doing the absolute best you can to come up with new angles uh, and just have a really open, great conversation that that feels new and not just uh, recycled. So I none of these interviews were set up in, in a way that agreed upon like how much time it was going to be or anything. So the fact that they averaged about 60 to 75 minutes and went to all these really great open intimate places but that was always intended to be accessible fun and thought-provoking all at once uh with people like tom everett scott of that thing you do ariana richards of jurassic park amy joe johnson of power rangers and felicity dougie doug from cool runnings uh karen parsons from the fresh prince of bel-air it was just so great to see who was interested and take it from there Okay. Yeah, I was curious about how your process went of lining these interviews up, but I guess I guess it comes from your background as a film critic, too. You already had some connections through that, I guess, at least in some part. Yeah, I was grateful to be able to use IMDb Pro, which includes uh, the contact information for people's representatives. And really just it wasn't complicated. I would reach out and identify myself, explain that my new book was a collection of interviews with stars of movies and shows from the 90s. And definitely there would have been a way to do this where you would have just kind of reached out to anyone, but I didn't want to do that because that winds up including material that isn't beloved or that isn't worth discussing or or people that were sort of on the sidelines. As you can tell from my list of some of the people I spoke with, this, this isn't a book that has Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts and, and Tom Cruise or something, but it doesn't have to be. That's not the only way to remember the 90s by any means. There are so many uh, impactful and influential pieces from that period that, that people cared about then and still care about now. And, and it doesn't have to be the most famous people in the world to be able to access them. But I, it was very important to me to connect with people who were either the star or, or a really memorable, uh, impactful character, because that's the way that we want to be able to revisit this material and come up with uh, a new way to think about it and consider it, not just by saying, hey, you were party goer number six <laughs> like, <laughs> right that, that's not going to lead to anything 
But that does make me wonder, is there one or two that you could say that you were close to getting, but like the one that got away, if you will? Yeah, that's that's a great way to think about it. And my best answer to that question is I was surprised by every single person's response. I was surprised when someone said yes. I was surprised when someone said no. There were, there were some people I thought that would definitely be up for it that weren't. And there were some that I really, really didn't think would happen that did. Uh, reaching out for William Daniels, best known to 90s kids as Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World, uh, despite being in the graduate and having all kinds of other credits, of course. Uh, uh, he's he's in his mid-90s. I didn't necessarily assume that that would happen by any means, but I, I spoke with him as well as his wife, Bonnie Bartlett, who he does his interviews with. And... And it was just a really great variety uh, of people to some uh, Megan Cavanaugh from A League of Their Own yeah. and Luke Edwards from from Newsies and, and Little Big League and just really rolling the dice. And all you have to do is ask and, and, and see what happens. Yeah. And I don't know if you ran into this, but I know for me personally, when reaching out, I think the worst thing is just the no response. I'd rather be told no than just almost just be ignored basically. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It's <laughs> of course you hope that anyone you reach out to will say yes, but it's necessary to be persistent. So someone who says no after the first or second try is saving you the third, fourth and fifth email uh, after a, a week right. or two passed by so but it's it comes with the territory and by definition and that was that was something that i certainly recognize is is quite a lot different than than what my role used to be uh where because of uh my previous full-time job being sent to uh a suite in a hotel room which is set up by the the studio and the and the publicity team locally where you have 15 to 20 minutes and are really trying to um, do the best you can in that short amount of time. And I, I loved the challenge of, of utilizing that and especially for the video interviews that I did uh, as well. But to be able to flesh things out over an hour or even an hour and a half, uh, some of these went uh, as long as that, uh, it just, it's, it's obvious that you can just build out. I, I mean, I put on the back cover that this this book was very much meant to feel like getting a drink with with the stars of these movies and shows, or or just the kind of long phone call that people used to have a lot in the nineties, <laughs> but probably don't have as much anymore. Um, I I very much wanted to feel like a conversation as opposed to an interview, and I'm really proud that that that's how it turned out. Yeah, and something I noticed. And I don't know if this was for all of them, but it seemed like some of these were like legitimate phone calls not like zoom meetings but legitimate phone calls on a phone just by the yes, way it was all, worded it seemed like that oh absolutely uh all except for one were just uh on the phone wow okay and i noticed through a lot of the conversations this this took you did this during the pandemic so do you think that helped you like suck to have a pandemic but people end up with a lot more free time so they were able to actually contribute to your book do you think that helped Possibly. Certainly every single person had such an individual experience, has had an, such an individual experience over the past few years and, and ongoing. But I think that makes a lot of sense that the availability changed during that time, of course. Um, and really just the way that people, of course, reflect on things from 
30 years ago, as opposed to talking about a project that they did a year ago or something, in most cases allows them to be really honest and appreciative, but also willing to think critically about certain things. And, and even if certain things have or haven't aged well, just be able to really bring fresh eyes to it. I totally appreciate that some people are somewhat protective about material from their their childhood. I've always felt like, for better or worse, I, I can look at things pretty objectively, and that even if there's something that I loved then and might think about differently now because I'm much older than when I saw it at the time, I'm I'm okay with that, and and I'm really... I'm thankful that I had these opportunities and, and proud of the way that um, my experience allowed me to go into these situations and be able to ask a number of hard questions, uh, approach things that can be sensitive, but do it in a way that uh, is respectful and really drew out a great dialogue. Yeah. And just to plug my own show, I'll get reference people to go back to an episode we did over the summer. I left the 90s. I went back further to the 80s and got... Andre Gower from the Monster Squad. Did you watch the Monster Squad growing up? I didn't, no. Oh, no. Such a great movie. I highly suggest you check that out. I'm like, we got to sit down and spend three hours with him. Like, he was very <laughs> giving of his wow. time. Yeah, yeah, very giving. All right, but one of the interviews, and I figure we'll talk about it in this next part, was with one Shane McDermott, and not exactly a household name, but as a kid growing up, you took us back to 1993. And we're going to put on our skates and we're going to go rollerblading as we get airborne. T-minus three, two, one. Fasten your seatbelt. When you got a perfect wave, a perfect anything, you go for it. Nicky! And get ready for the ride of your life. Stay away from my sister. You know, you were the first smiling face I've seen in three weeks. Leave gravity behind and get... Airborne, rated PG, starts Friday, September 17th. All right, Matt. So why don't you tell us, when did you first see Airborne? Yeah, I was trying to remember that. I It's it's so funny when you think of some of the, the things you encounter as a kid. I, there are some movies or shows that I think people probably can really timestamp or, or connect to a specific experience. Like if they saw it in the theater, seeing Jurassic Park in the theater, for example, yep. for me and probably for a lot of people was very memorable. Airborne, I think I just somehow encountered it on TV one time. And then I don't remember not knowing about it, which seems like a ridiculous thing to say about a movie that is, I guess, more obscure on the right. on the grand scheme of the way that the 90s are remembered uh it's not streaming you can you can rent it for a couple bucks on youtube but it's it's something that has really just sort of faded from memory i think for a lot of people even though i don't know if you saw this josh for the 30th anniversary uh of airborne this year there seems to be a convention being put together uh, oh wow i have not in in cincinnati uh of in course. late 2023 <laughs> Uh, where the movie is set. So uh, that's exciting that, that some that people is. are trying to, to keep that conversation alive. But I, I think it must have been just one of those movies on HBO or, or Showtime or something that I that I came across uh, as a teenager and and really it just clicked, which I I was I'm not a surfer at all. 
uh, I had rollerblades at the time, which I used sparingly, but it wasn't because of some personal connection to that. I mean, we'll get into why I, I think I responded to it so much, but uh, it's just funny the things that that stick out to you and then to kind of zoom out and say, well, why, why do I think I like this? What do you remember about seeing it? You know, I can't pinpoint a first time either, but I know that once I saw it, I had a cousin, he's three years younger than I am, but we used to rent this movie a lot. I don't know why, because it's like you said, I'm I'm nowhere, I'm four or five hours from the closest beach, so I didn't grow up surfing or anything. Yeah, I did some rollerblading as well. I don't even think I was rollerblading yet, though, when I saw this, because I was probably nine or ten. But yeah, I remember renting this on VHS a ton, but I, I couldn't tell you the first encounter. It might have been, like you said, on HBO or something. And then when I went to the video store, I started picking it up. But yeah, that would be how I encountered Airborne. Sure. Yeah. And and like you said, Shane McDermott, for people who know this movie, is a very memorable, important person of a, a movie that I, I'm not claiming is one of the greatest movies of all time or necessarily one of the best movies of the 90s. But it it's really endearing. And, and I do think holds up because of the really unique vibe that it uh, is able to achieve and the way it's, this is far from the only movie about being yourself and sort of picking your battles as you figure out your life as a, a teenager and going through the, the steps of a coming of age story. But Airborne deals with that in a way that I do think is different from a lot of other movies that you can put in that category and i think it's uh, a shame that people generally i think disregarded it so much at the time making almost no money and then over the years just sort of falling by the wayside um and and shane mcdermott is such a crucial part of this movie and exactly cast right for for the lead role as Mitchell Guzan and uh, I was so excited that I got to <laughs> uh, speak with him uh, for the book and he was just so warm and excited to go back to that time but also uh, think differently about some things and really uh, that was that was exciting and that and is a really great representation of not one of the biggest stars by any means that I spoke with for the book but but a real sign that that people who like to look back at the 90s and who want to put um a new spin on their nostalgia that's that's someone that absolutely can be important to them uh but and just because it's not tom hanks doesn't mean it can't feel really um rewarding and thoughtful and entertaining right and i i'll tell you this i was telling my wife about this episode i was like did you ever watch airborne and i showed her the poster she's like i don't think i ever saw that but i know that guy I think I remember him on like Team Beat or something because I mean he was popular for a minute, and I know you even talk about in the book the Swans Crossing. I have no idea what that is. I, I didn't know anything about it, but apparently yeah, he was I didn't in either. Bunch of I, I had no familiarity with that show beforehand, which which seems to have uh, led to uh, his lead role um, in Airborne, but. Yeah, there and and that was like the case of people not having access to everything at all times, <laughs> anywhere uh, in the '90s. So there are it's it's pretty funny to to discover properties that uh, whether they had a couple seasons or, or uh, many to say, wow, <laughs> I had no idea that this existed at all. Yeah, never heard of it. But 
Let's talk about why you wanted to choose this movie. I mean, obviously, it's not your top tippy top favorite movie, but it is a favorite from yours of this decade, of your favorite decade, obviously. So what made you want to talk about Airborne today? Sure. So when I think about Airborne does really well, I think about the fact that it's set towards the end of high school, you know, just to set up the the plot for anyone who no, have never saw it or never remembered it. It's it's just about this this guy who is totally living it up in California, doesn't have a care in the world. Uh, all he wants to do is just go out in the sun, rollerblade to the beach, spend the rest of the day surfing and go home and do the same thing the next day. Uh, and then his parents get an opportunity to study uh, the Australian wombat on location. And because they think that their son can't uh, be out of school that long, or I guess go to school in Australia. <laughs> um, and clearly they don't have any local family in LA or any other friends to stay with. Right. All sorts of logical jumps that were move past. Uh, he is sent to Cincinnati to stay with his aunt and uncle uh, and cousin, uh, the latter of whom is played by Seth Green. Um, apparently he hasn't seen these people since he and his cousin were in diapers yet. Right. This is the this is the place that he's sent to um, nearly 20 years later for six months. And Cincinnati, he discovers, to no one's surprise, is a much different place than L.A. And aside from the fact that they uh, value hockey and um, think surfing is not a real sport, they also just don't take to his mentality. Um, his confidence and and I set all this up to talk about the ways that I think no matter no matter what your high school experience was like, I think everyone would agree that that is a period of life that is just inherently chaotic. There's so much development going on, so much uncertainty. Everyone is just figuring it out, and the ways in which airborne brings like a sense of peace and calm to a really chaotic time while also zeroing in on a character who, as, as Mitchell explains in, in a really great scene with, with Nikki played by Bernie Powell, um, he, he used to fight for everything and be just as aggressive as some of the guys who are going after him at the Cincinnati high school. And he learned a hard lesson that really made him question yeah. like, why is that worth it? Why, why am I doing this when I can approach life differently and and not um, think that everything is for me or think that I need to have a problem with somebody else? And, and that um, demeanor really clashes with uh, the people in Cincinnati and the ways in which that plays out at times can feel formulaic or ridiculous. But overall, I think it does a lot of things really well and has a lot of great moments and great quotes um, aside from a, a, an awesome, like shockingly long <laughs> ending sequence of, of a race down devil's backbone um, that it just, it's way more memorable and way more um, entertaining and even thoughtful than I think a lot of people give it credit for. Yeah. And it's, I'm glad you brought up devil's backbone. Cause I really thought that, Part of it came up earlier in the movie where they talk about Devil's Backbone and lead up to that. And watching it over this time, I was like, 
nope, that's brought up with 20 minutes left and you're there. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. thought this was a much bigger part, but it is an awesome sequence. All right, Matt, this is where we're getting into the fun territory. And I want to know your thoughts on what you would like to see. And in your book, you kind of bring it up in a way. So I want to see if you go with a sequel back in the 90s or you kind of brought up a legacy sequel in a way I noticed in your interview with him. So how would you <laughs> like to see that taken? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was I was thinking, could there be a sequel to Airborne? How would how would that be done best? I mean, if I had to really say, should there be one? Arguably not. But if they were to do one, uh, it would probably have to be said in either California, definitely not Cincinnati. Maybe they would set it in California and bring Wiley over, have kind of the reverse thing happen instead of Wiley helping Mitchell acclimate to Cincinnati. Maybe Mitchell could help Wiley acclimate to L.A. Um, or as as you're referring to at this point, it would probably have to be something where it was like Mitchell's son or or something like that, and maybe they go to a different country or or explore. Um, maybe they go to Australia. Maybe maybe this is when they switch, <laughs> and and the parents happen to be in uh, the U.S. or something, and and everyone goes to Australia. But yeah, it's it's funny to think at this point nothing is off the table. I would be very surprised if an airborne sequel came along, uh, <laughs> but but never say never. Yeah, that's always why I normally just phrase it in the, what would you have liked to have seen? But since you literally brought up in the interview rollerblading dads or whatever it was <laughs> called, I was like, oh, that kind of fits as a legacy sequel, if you call it that. <laughs> I think you could get some people to pull that movie up for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, now let's talk about what's the more likely scenario. Well, I don't know how likely it is for a movie like this, but you never know. And that's if they decided to do the remake. Who would you like to see in some of these roles? I love this challenge, Josh. It was it was hard. And I'm sure if I, I took more time to think about it, I would come up with more people and some differences. Um, so for Mitchell Guzan, and disclaimer as well, that I'm somewhat disregarding ages, um, as we know. High school kids are often played by people in their late 20s, if not sometimes even older than that, which is pushing it. <laughs> um, but I feel like Timothy Chalamet is probably a good choice for Mitchell. He's shown himself to be really versatile. And even though I think he can be really good as someone who is more forward, I guess, than than Mitchell's character is, or um, I don't even know if that's the best word for it, but uh, I, I think he would do a great job embracing sort of the, the laid back mentality, but also responding to the, the challenges that he experiences um, and also bringing, I mean, I, I touch on it a little, but I actually think the the romance here is handled pretty nicely. It's it's not a huge part of the movie, but it, it matters. Um, and, and Nikki is a character that we don't necessarily learn a ton about aside from the delayed reveal that she is the sister of, of one of the people who's bullying, uh, Mitchell the most, but I'm always appreciative of when a character can be created. And this comes from sort of efficient writing and also, um, the performance of someone that who is, for lack of a better word, 
just kind of a, a kind person, but who doesn't feel bland. And I think you get the sense when Mitchell and Nikki meet each other, just that she responds to who he is in that great discussion they have at the ice rink. You know, when he, he lists the things that he likes and, and some people might find it corny, but she says, oh, you're a poet. He's, and he says, no, I, I just I just know what I like. Um, and you can tell that she's responding to who he is and how he is. And, and he sees that in her as well. Um, and of course, uh, we don't necessarily get to know her as richly, but but the way that their relationship uh, plays out in the movie for a, a goofy 86 minute rollerblading movie that spends its last <laughs> 15 to 20 minutes on a long action sequence. Yes. Um, I actually think that their their relationship is handled really well. So I think Timothy Chalamet um, would handle all the elements of Mitchell. I think Lily Reinhardt uh, would be a, a decent choice um, in the Brittany Powell role um, as Nikki, even though I think Lily Reinhardt's a great actress too and, and is probably been saddled with more high school roles than than she needs as she works to break away from that in movies like Hustlers or something. But um, that was just one that, that came to mind. Uh, Maddie Ziegler um, seemed like someone who would work there as well. Um, she was great in The Fallout. Charlie Plummer um, from Spontaneous came to mind. But uh, that, I love that movie. <laughs> I, I do too. That was my favorite uh, movie of a couple of years ago. And, and I still don't think enough have caught on to how great that was. Um, I wrote down Dylan Minnette from 13 Reasons Why, uh, kind of cast against type a little bit as Jack, um, mm. who Jack being Nikki's brother, who who is very angry right away uh, when Mitchell <laughs> arrives, partially because Jack's girlfriend is, is making eyes at, at Mitchell instantly, um, but also because he sees the way that other people are responding to someone with the complete opposite um, personality as him. Uh and I wrote down uh, Cody Smith McPhee of The Power of the Dog as Blaine, uh, the leader of the preps. Um, maybe just because he's really tall, but uh, that seemed like that that could work too. Okay. Did you listen anybody for Wiley? I didn't catch that. Oh yeah, I, you're right. I, I, I was like, oh, gotta I, have I Wiley. Think, I think maybe I'd maybe I when I mentioned Charlie Plummer, I think I had meant Charlie Plummer for Wiley. Oh, okay. Or, or KJ Appa also from Riverdale, like Lily Reinhardt um, for Wiley too. Maybe that's just being influenced by um, red hair, but that that seems like it would work. All right, Matt. Last thing I want you to do is give that final pitch. Sell someone on why they should take a chance on Airborne if they haven't seen it. I, I love that framing, Josh. And uh, so I, I made some notes for myself because I I think there are a lot of ways that people could just shrug off this movie and kind of relegate it as just like a forgotten piece of the nineties. This is just a movie about rollerblading, which is a, a pretty small subgenre and, and not, not one that would necessarily make a lot of people come running the sort of Zen aspect of Mitchell's character and uh, a lot of, handful of scenes of of the waves and and dreaming about the perfect wave or or using his dream where he has metaphor involving sharks and waves and and that sort of thing i i get it i i 
there's a reason why people respond to things differently as adults than they do if they see something when they're 10 or 12 or something. I, I don't know how this movie would play to someone who had never seen it now. However, uh, this isn't should not be seen as a cartoonish story about blue-collar kids taking down the preps. It's a memorable story of a friendship developing between cousins uh, and a resistant community that's opening itself up to a new way of thinking. It's an important exploration of figuring out what to fight for and what to let slide. Uh, and I think at a time with so much anger and resentment out in the world, uh, Airborne is a fun and uniquely soothing movie about understanding and community. And that doesn't intend to oversell it by any means, only to call a spade a spade and say that um, it's a great thing when a, when a movie makes you feel something. And and I think this this little movie really does what it does uh, effectively on top of having uh, a ridiculous but fantastic sequence of trying on clothes uh, as Wiley tries to figure out what to wear for a date and Mitchell is just laughing the entire time. Yes, yes. Yep. Uh, and, and a lot of quotes that I guess I won't even spoil for people that haven't uh, seen it before, but it's just, it's more special than it gets credit for. It's more memorable than uh, a lot of movies that are more remembered. Uh, and I really enjoyed it as a kid, and I still like it now. Agreed. I, I, I enjoyed it as a kid. I said I rented multiple times and rewatching it. I was still enthralled with it. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Letterbox. That's what I used to log and rate my movies. I gave it a four-star rating because the movie's still good. Four out of five. I mean, that's good. That's a good rating. Nice. I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up the changing clothes montage set to. I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. And of course, if nothing else, you just got to watch to see that end scene, that last 15, 20 minute end sequence. I mean, it's worth it for that alone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really well shot. You absolutely feel the wind and the speed as they're, I don't know how any of the racers knew what the course was by any means. Right. <laughs> it goes on for so long and they all seem to know where to go. But just when you think it's over, it still has a lot of time left, but it doesn't feel too long. It it just brings you into the experience, and you wouldn't think that a movie structured this way uh, would work, or or you would sort of expect that that ending part would feel tacked on, but it doesn't. I <laughs> I really think that this movie, like if you go into Airborne, if you've never seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a long time, if you go in wanting to find reasons not to like it, then you won't. But you could say that about anything. Uh, but if you can go in and just say, I know that this is a, a teen comedy. I know it's a, a fish out of water story. And yes, it's set in the world of rollerblading and hockey and roller hockey and surfing. And, and whether those sports mean anything to you or not, the the important thing, the thing you want from any movie, the characters make an impact on you. They, The ones that you should like you do like um the ones that you're not supposed to like you don't but not in a way that makes the movie unenjoyable and you won't be shocked by any plot developments but <laughs> you'll be happy that you either saw it for the first time or or saw it again just a fun movie fun to watch fun to talk about i love airborne all right i think that sums it up so that's gonna wrap us up matt tell everybody where they can find you where they can find your books shell out all that good stuff Thank you. So I'm just at Matt Pace, M-A-T-T-P-A-I-S, at Matt Pace and all the usual places. 
And you can find Talk 90s with me in hardcover, paperback, and ebook on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, anywhere that you get a book, including indie bookstores through IndieBound. Um, grab it there. All right. And as usual, you can find me at linktr.ee slash ynfmoviepod. It'll have all the links, social media, YouTube, Letterboxd. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Chad and Chris are taking over for an episode, and they'll have on the guys from Pocus Hocus again. Our Valentine's Day episode, we'll be talking about the movie May from 2002. Till then, you guys take care, and I'll talk to you next time.